Okay, Quads, please, you have to tell me, do you give dates uh, your autograph memorabilia from, from uh, Connect Conversation? No. You know what happened last night, though? I was out at a bar, um, and this table of, like, maybe 12 people, it was like a birthday party. They kind of, like, one guy pointed at me, and I, like, saw it out of the corner of my eye, and then, like, everybody at the table turned to me at the same time, and I was like... Okay, like something's going on, and then my fo- I get a message from Twitter that he's like, "Hey, are you at, are you at this pub right now?" I was like, "Yeah, I am." He's like, "Oh man, big fan!" Oh so he God. like comes over and he's like talking to me. And my friend who like Hollywood Quadrelli, you know, like yeah, man. Uh, the only thing I've ever gotten recognized <laughs> is usually Canucks game. But yeah, he came up and then he like bought us shots. I had shots for the first time yesterday, first time in my life. Okay, question two: Are you still getting over the hangover? Yeah. Um. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Roxy Fever. I no longer uh, care very much to do introductions these days, but uh, I'm your host, Jack McDonald, with me as usual. It's Vyasaran. Uh, joining us today for a very genuine attempt to not get two of my very good friends in trouble are Favor and Quads from Canucks Conversation. Really, really. Guys, how's it going? I'm doing good. I, I should have just came in with like Cody Severson's voice here. Uh, it just like surprise. It's actually just Cody in the end, which I have, which I have enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, we're we're excited to be here. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. I don't know how. I don't know what we're talking about, but it's sure going to be a fun hour to be here. Don't worry. Neither do we. Yeah, we, we don't know what we're talking about either. Don't worry about it. We basically all just checked out for the entire summer, so we have no idea what's going on. Uh, so we're probably just going to ask you a bunch of random questions to try and figure out uh, what happened, because as far as I'm concerned, what happened is we were in a coma. The one, the, the the one, one piece of news I, I wanted to get to is, signing Tucker is which I somebody got a job lady. because of me. God damn it. Reese Jessup, like, hired by the motherfucking Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes. <laughs> the plan worked, baby. We Dude, did it. I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about Harmon in an indirect way also, but uh, get into that right. a bit more. So Reese has... I always pronounce it Rise. I won't. I mean, it, this is all clear. It's all out there. Everyone knows if they've listened to the show. Uh, but, you know, Reese made it really clear to me that he didn't want really to go back to an NHL team uh, unless they were going to do things mm. differently. And there we are. Carolina. Not a, not a shocker. Um, now, Carolina made some moves this offseason that I wasn't a huge fan of. So. But they were before they signed Reese. But they were before they it was before they got Reese. Yeah. So that those are not his fault. And, uh, you know, uh, just good to have friends in high places. You know, we we love to see it. I, I do believe that. I think the offer sheet was right after he Ooh. was hired. <laughs> <laughs> he was he behind the offer sheet. Like the Who knows, man? That would be that would uh, that would rock that. That's a very troll move. Um, I, I, I am excited to watch Reese uh, or the Carolina Hurricanes do posting. By, by doing their their little transactions or whatever, that'll be fun. Yeah. Anyways, I think the Canucks signed a bunch of Swedish people or something. Um, what did, what do you guys think were the were the big uh, stories of the off season this year? Let's uh, let's let's start with what exactly are Don Taylor jeans? I think that's the first <laughs> one that I need to know about. I'll let Faber tackle that one. Thank you. Well, I mean. Wearing jeans to a wedding is one thing, but if you're Don Taylor, it becomes a thing. Like what Don wearing jeans to a wedding is done is incredible and kind of opens up the door for me to, to bring jeans also to media at Rogers yes. Arena as, as a man who doesn't look good in, in you know, fancy pants. I'm, I'm all for the jeans. I might even try and pull off shorts next year, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, some of them are so easy because like cropping Don Taylor out of that picture, like Simple. on the end, his arms like perfectly around someone. It is the easiest thing to crop. Uh, so seeing that blow up has been pretty fun. Like, I think it's like every second day I get like, people aren't even like, like tweeting at me. I'll just like, someone will be like, someone needs to crop Don Taylor onto here. And then the next tweet's just like at Chris favor 39. And then the next tweet is me cropping Don Taylor on the said picture. So it, it's been pretty fun so far. And funny enough, 
like Don texted me today, like about an hour <laughs> before we're recording this. And he was just like, he's like, nice, nice job with the jeans. <laughs> like, that's all he wrote. <laughs> and then I like, I was like, thank, I was like, LOL, I thought you might be mad. And then he, I don't even know what he replied with. It was like, I think it was an attempted at emoji, but it was like a period space B <laughs> at. And I was like, like maybe this is like a like a Samsung phone emoji, but it did not show up on my phone. <laughs> I never met. And then you know, I hilarious. never met Donnie. I met Moj. He's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Moj. Uh, I remember meeting Moj at uh, Bosford's night for the media folk, which I, I don't know what I was doing there at the time. This is like two two years ago, I guess now, probably like pretty close to two years ago. Like, and Moj like introduced me to every single person in that room. Like he was the oh, nicest sweet. guy to me. Uh, and the only person he didn't introduce me to was Don Taylor. It was like the one guy that I really wanted yeah, to totally. like growing up in. I love him and media. He's like introducing me to every single person in the room because I just kept feeding him shock tops all night and he absolutely <laughs> loved it. Uh, but like the only person who was like his co-host at the time was the guy that he like didn't introduce me to. But uh, Moj, yeah, he's, uh, you can hear him across like, like if you're in a hotel, you can hear him across the street in like one of the hotel rooms. Like his voice is loud. Uh, Fun guy, I guess, would be the word for him. So one thing I wanted to know on a more serious note is like, who's going to be on the team this year and who's going to be in the AHL? Because now that they actually have a team in the Valley, which is awesome, it seems like there's a lot of competition all of a sudden for roster spots. Like as much as I don't like the moves that they made, well, some of the moves that they made for the big club, I really, really like everything that they did Abbotsford. So I was wondering if you guys could maybe handicap the odds for me on like who who is going to be on that in that bottom six and uh, kind of fighting for the the last defense slot or whatever. Well, okay. So there's basically two battles, right? Is there's the battle for the final spot in the on the wing in the top six, and there's also a spot in the bottom six as well. Now. Like we've talked about this a lot. It all depends really how Travis Green deploys the line stylistically, like which one does he want to use as a main matchup line. But I really like Vasily Podkolzin's chances of going on that second line. And man, like if you want to play Pearson, Horvat, and Podkolzin as a matchup line or Garland uh, instead of Pearson, like that's a pretty solid line. Um, like, like they could play any matchups and they're going to succeed. In the bottom six, it's there's a whole bunch of guys. My personal pick for obvious reasons is uh, Phil DiGiuseppe. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he has an actual chance to surprise people, and he's kind of someone that's flown under the radar, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I think Matthew... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I think Matthew Highmore. I think it's Matthew Highmore's spot to lose. Um, I, knew about it I think Zach McEwen is probably an outlier for that position. Like, I'd say he's probably second or third. He's going to be competing for that final roster spot. Um, But I think just in terms of what they could bring to an NHL lineup when you need to plug and play them, honestly, I think Phil DiGiuseppe is probably the guy that they stick with over McEwen um, just because DiGiuseppe just has more defensive capabilities. And I think he might be someone that Travis trusts more. That makes sense. That's fair. Real quick about uh, put goals in. So if you, if I'm, if I'm hypothetically somebody who didn't pay attention for uh, since the last Canucks game that they played. Uh, so is this guy a lock to play? And I know you guys have been answering this question on your own show. Nice conversation, but uh, it's uh, it's not often that uh, that we get new prospects coming in. Obviously, the last few years, it's been consistently a big guy, but we haven't heard as much about Paul Colson unless you follow Chris Faber on Twitter, obviously, staying up late to watch his games and ordering jerseys from that hockey team. Um, so for me... I usually see when a young guy is coming in, that they're not a lock, that it's going to be a training camp as a deciding factor. But the way you guys talk about him, it seems like he's in the top six already. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people kind of tweeting about it and being like, oh, even if he's in the AHL, I'm excited for that. Like, he's not going to be in the AHL. Like, there's no chance in hell that Vasily Podkoles is in the AHL. He just played two years in what I believe. Like, I think the KHL is better than the AHL. Like, I watch a lot of both, mm-hmm. obviously, but... Like, I think that there's better players in the KHL than there is in the I would say significantly. Like, I, I... Oh, yeah. like The talent distribution is wider, like a lot wider. But I, I find that's like a very sort of... People who are really, really fixated on America have a tendency to really, really uh, overestimate how good those, those, uh, those like sort of 
piddly, like smaller junior or even like the AHL are in comparison to the international leagues, just because like we're the center of the hockey world or whatever. Right. Right. And, and because it's like the minors connected to the NHL, you'd think it would be the closest step. But like if you were to take out like there's a lot of bad teams in the KHL, too. Like if you look at like the bottom half of the KHL and the bottom half of the AHL, like the bottom half of the AHL might be better. But the good teams that get money and spend money in the KHL are actually like they would kick the shit out of like every team in the AHL. So like those teams are good. The Silly Pug Colson was on like the big, big team, obviously, there with Ska. And though he played fourth line, he looked excellent in the playoffs when it really mattered. Uh, this this kid's just so like clean with everything he does defensively that it's it's almost like the opposite of what people were expecting from Nils Hoglander last year, where it was like, yeah, he's got the offensive skill, he's going to do some cool things, he'll make some highlights, and you know everyone's going to be happy when he tries to pull off a lacrosse goal from behind the net. But with Pug Colson, it's like he blocks shots, kills penalties, four checks hard as hell skates like the wind, is willing to drop the gloves if he has to, but might struggle a little bit with the offensive thing. So to me, you're getting like a bigger opposite version of Niels Huglander who has some potential because if you look at Huglander, he kind of surprised us defensively. I think it's kind of just going to be like the opposite for Pod Colson where I think he's going to surprise people offensively, but he's just going to be like so sturdy defensively that he has to start at least in the middle six. Yeah, I think that I think that's entirely reasonable. As far as the defense goes, I mean... I- this is always the story with the Canucks, but it feels like the forward group looks really, really good. And the defense group is like, uh, okay, maybe <laughs> what do you guys think about the, the, all the new additions, uh, particularly, I guess the two, the two big ones that got all the, uh, the press, uh, Poolman and OEL. Um, I haven't seen Pullman play enough to make a like solid opinion on him. What I will say about Ekman Larson though, is, you know, like this is a guy that the Canucks really believe can bounce back. So if he does, they look like geniuses, yeah. but if he doesn't, man, it's a, it's a huge, I told you so for a lot of people in this market, because that need, there are so many quite like, I get it. Like I, I heard the argument that, um, that OEL is going to be someone that thrives under Travis Green's system. And I get it. Like that, that's completely true. But man, if you're pivoting slower than Ollie O'Levy and Alex Edler, like that's, that's tough. Like that's a really, really tough look. If you're locking yourself into that guy for like six more years or whatever it is, um, that's, that's, that's a tough look. If his knee isn't what it needs to be, because again, like, you know, you feel bad for him. It's similar to Ali Levy. Like everybody thinks I hate Ali Levy. It's just like, no, he just can't pivot. And it's hardly even his fault. It's just, yeah. he's had so many injuries. Like you feel bad for him, but it's not like, you know, we don't have to sit here and pretend like, Oh yeah, he's an NHL defenseman. Like it's, he's not right. And like, you know, no, and I can't wait to tell his story yeah. 10 years from now. And we'll find <laughs> yeah. out like, you know, we'll we'll get to do the John Boys like eight part docu series on Oli Ulevi's career. Um, <laughs> but like the thing is, is like this little sports minutia, like the stories behind these guys are fascinating. I like storytelling; <laughs> it's awesome. But like, stop having parasocial relationships with athletes. Have them with us. It's good for us. We need it. Well, we like him because he's a gamer, allegedly. That's why. That's, I why, would we, that's that. why we want we want him to succeed. <laughs> he wasn't in that COD tournament though a year ago. No, no, no. Yeah. Rathbone was. Rathbone played in it. Actually, no. You know what? Rathbone was gonna play with a bunch of his Boston friends, and then uh, the, his his friends ended up playing, and he couldn't make it. So he donated on behalf of all his friends. Like it was a five dollar buy, and he donated like a hundred bucks, and I think he had like three friends that played in it. Wow. Wait, you got you were the one who set it up, right? It was, yeah, it was you yeah. two. Can you really uh, quickly tell us about how you guys set that up? Yeah, so it was. Yeah. First, no, hold on, Quads. First, you got to tell him about JD first and JD's team and how he got bullied out of his team at the. At the <laughs> oh end my well. goodness! Okay, right, because I was supposed to play and then I thought I couldn't because JD had a team. This was tough. So okay, <laughs> so this is this is a tournament with folks from Canucks Twitter. You guys are friends with JD. You know how he's received on Canucks Twitter. Yeah, I think it's improved with teams improved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like I remember something about that. I don't know. Okay. So last year we had this tournament and JD didn't have a team. Um, so he had to join up with <laughs> some randoms and he joined the party. He's like, what's up fellas. And they're like, 
who who are you? And his name is Gucci Mane on uh, right. On, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, it's uh, it's JD Burke. And then the guy's like, oh, can you? F- I guess swear, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so you can definitely do that. He's like, he's like, he's like, oh, cool. Well, then it's Gucci Mane, not Gucci Mane. And he's like, can you fuck off? And then he's like, Gee. and then he left. <laughs> Oh yeah, last minute he he joined me. I think I forget who oh. else I played with it, but it was it was me and him afterwards. And then you guys killed me. You guys fucking killed me. <laughs> I, so I, I, I did see you. I did you. I did teabag you. That was also that was also the night that I saw someone because I was so excited. I like borrowed my roommate's PS4 because I didn't have mine over. Uh, I like brought it to the room, hooked up the Ethernet cable. First time I played Warzone, I was so excited. And I, I was especially excited, like telling all my friends why I couldn't go to one party that night. Oh, because, good. This is this night. like, some of the Canucks are going to be on. Like, uh, and I knew Gadet was going to be playing and a few others. Yeah. And during the game, I see somebody, uh, I see somebody with the name Rick Rippin, 37. <laughs> and I, I audibly, it was me, Cody Severson, and JD Burke. <laughs> playing and i i just go wow i didn't know rick Rippin was gonna play tonight too it's fully fully serious and it was si- radio silence for like 10 seconds from the other two guys that's so good i was like oh <laughs> just the oh uh right after that god damn i i've never done i've never really been a gamer like i only became a gamer very recently my parents didn't really let me have games and i just it was always you go over to someone else's house and play video games so like i uh, i was never very very familiar and uh and so i this is just reminding me of i used to i used to play both chell and actual like floor hockey with favor when we were kids i remember we we played uh intramurals at one of the elementary schools that we went to together because we went to two different ones and uh he uh <laughs> i remember one time they had gotten everyone a goal and they kept trying to set me up and i just kept being like nope because <laughs> i had no idea what i was doing and, and the only thing they would tell me to do is just when the puck comes over the blue line just clear it <laughs> and i was like great i could do that and then when they tried to uh to set me up for uh for a goal i was like deer deer in the absolute headlights and i couldn't do it and then i tried playing floor hockey again uh like 15 years later and we got kicked out for for uh, gooning up the league so yeah. that's how it goes this is why video games are good folks i remember back in the day like we used to play we did this at one of your birthdays jackson i remember we played it for like six hours this would have been like your grade six or grade seven sure. birthdays. You remember playing the gun game in like your, I believe it was your mom's like yard yeah. where like everyone would like be shooting each other. I don't know what we were doing, but it was like you had finger guns the whole time. You had like different guns and we would shoot like, we played this game for like eight hours in your backyard, yep. like until like two in the morning potentially. Like it was just like the most fun game we ever did. Like, and everyone just had to like have different guns. You had to hold them like you would like yeah. a pistol or a sniper or well, a rocket. Like it was, it was the funnest game when we were like eleven. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I mean, it's it's funny. Like I I didn't really, you know, like I didn't know you were gonna go into this stuff. By I had no idea you were gonna do. That. I, I just knew you like liked sports or whatever. And um, and a, a big part of the reason I started the show is because I was like Faber is the fucking guy who should do this can do this and like i don't do not want him to get burnt out like me <laughs> oh i'm close <laughs> but so, i hear you man i hear uh, you. i mean like yeah it's crazy like because i like didn't think i was gonna be doing this at all and then like i just like started listening to like 10 40 and was like oh like i can totally do this <laughs> i was like i love sports like i was like i think i was like pretty decent at every sport too and like i, I knew that i could like understand it and then like Actually, going out and doing it has been so fun. At the same time, it's like, it's like I didn't think it was going to be like this much work. Like every single day, like having to like be attached to your phone from like seven in the morning to like three in the morning, like every single day. But like, it is really like fun and like fulfilling to see like success come with it because like it's it's actually so much fucking work. And like, I don't know, like I I've like trained my body to like accept five hours of sleep every night and just like that's good enough. And 
and everything. So it's 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 been fun to like see everything happen again. And actually work in sports. Like I I always thought I was gonna like play sports. Like growing up, I thought I was gonna like make it to the MLB or you know make it somewhere to play professional sports. So being able to like work in professional sports is actually like really cool in the end. We're so happy to see you guys have your success so far. Yeah. And like we know it's gonna it's like it has not exploded. Like you, so much more is coming for you guys. It's so cool to watch. What are like I brought up the Warzone thing just because I was excited about you guys getting to interact with the players. Uh, I, and I would love to hear more about that, maybe starting with the Warzone story again. Like, how did you get the players involved in the first place? And then after that, if you guys could talk about, uh, like, who are your favorite players to have met so far? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just so jazzed for you guys. Well, Quaz was mostly behind the war zone, so you can start well, with that. Really, I think Chris is not giving himself enough credit here because the only reason that took off was uh, so. Do you guys you know Dave Nordham, um, Canucks fan uh, battling with cancer? He yeah. was the hockey fights cancer profile that they did. Really, yeah. really great right. guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically, I did a story about him, and you know, I just like I saw there was a GoFundMe. And I was like, this guy's so positive. Like he, he, this guy rules, like this guy's the fucking best. So I was like, you know, I just DM'd him. I'm like, Hey Dave, like, I'd love to do a story on you. Um, try to, try to use Canucks army's platform to, uh, to build more momentum for his GoFundMe and like get him more donations. Um, so he was like, yeah, for sure, man. Like, I'd love to do that. And he's just like, he was still battling cancer. Like he was in the fucking thick of it right mm. now. Um, when I did this story and he's just such a gracious guy. Like he was like, yeah, quads. Like, I really like your writing. Uh, you have like a gift with words. Like you need to keep at it. And like, like he made me feel so good. Like I, I shit you not. I was doing the interview with him and I was like, actually like tearing up. Cause he's like telling me how he had like a like fucking six month old kid or whatever. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. And like, he didn't know if he was going to make it at that point. And I was just like, yeah, it was just, um, you know, like heartbreaking to write that story, but also like, you know, to be able to even talk to him was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my career. Cause literally I just like, you know, I, I, everybody's faced adversity in their own way, but I, I just hope <laughs> that if I ever face like that much adversity that I'm anywhere near how just like positive and like calm he was, you know what I mean? Um, so sorry, this is a, my long way of saying no, that basically after I dropped that story, a bunch of more donations came in and then Luke from Twitter, uh, Luke, the bartender, uh, he DM me and he was like, Hey, like, I really loved that story. I donated. Um, what do you think about setting up a game of Warzone uh, with him? And this was after we had played with Godet. So people knew we played Warzone um, because Godet was hosting uh, Warzone tournaments at the time for his followers or whatever. Um, and he responded to Faber's tweet um and was like yeah like you guys are bots and uh i'll uh, i'll come to you how it's done sure enough he did he like beamed me out of the air in the first game we played with him but uh anyway so people knew we played warzone with godette and uh then luke was like hey do you want to do this and i was like man like i was just building a bunch of momentum for canucks army at the time and i was working like ridiculous amount and i was like working like super hard like harder than i ever have for sure um and i was like man like i don't know if i could take this on but then you know luke was like you know we could do like a five dollar buy-in for everybody team of four um that's twenty dollars and you could fit like a like i think we could fit like 70 teams in a game or something and he's like everybody has to donate to dave's gofundme to get in and i was like man like that's a great idea so i was like you know what I'll do it. So I set it all up. I would never do it again. Like someone asked me, like, do another one. I was like, fuck you. Like, no chance of doing that. Um, so what I had to do was I put out the thing on Twitter and then I was like, to enter, all you're going to do is uh, take a screenshot of your donation and then DM me uh, and then DM me your, your username. And I had to add everybody individually oh, on sure. my PlayStation um, <laughs> and, and get a big Excel sheet. And I was doing it like all by myself um luke made the graphic which was hilarious because we got the canucks permission to let uh ryan beach play with us um so we had beecher on the graphic and we we put on there even though got at and Pedersen was gonna play but he didn't have time um we put on there we were like 
uh, Warzone for Dave Nordum featuring celebrity guest Ryan Beach. And like, we didn't even include Gunnett in there. Um, and it was just a picture of uh, Beecher, which was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how that all came to be. Um, I'm sorry, I took like no, 10 good. minutes to answer okay. this simple question. But yeah, just that's that's how that all started. It was all for Dave. That rocks. I'm so glad you did that. And 70 teams, that's so, so many people. It's a lot of money raised. So shout out to you guys for doing that. Yeah, we were happy. It was great. But he also didn't even answer your question at all about uh, which player he likes feeling. You with. take that one. Well, I, I know who yours is. Who's mine? Oh, yours is Rasmus, and I think you deal with him the most, or any gold. Yeah. Player. So yeah, okay, I'm taking this. Hold on. So Rathbone, like you guys know, like Jack Rathbone's just like a nice dude. Um, and every time we've talked to him, and we had him on the podcast like three times now. He really likes to like, like he'll open up quite a bit and he'll uh, like less now, like when he was in, when he was in college, like he talked a lot more. You can tell he's had some PR training now, but uh, no, like he's just, he's a, he's a good dude and he's super easy to, easy to talk to. Um, yeah. He's probably my favorite interview. And then, you know, Ian Clark is like ahead of Rathbone, but he's not a player, but yeah, like Ian Clark is, if you, if you like, even if you don't know much about goalies, just like talking to Ian Clark is mind boggling. Like the stuff he says, it's just, yeah. Like I don't even I've know. I actually learned a lot about goaltending from your show because of the amount you guys have had Daryl and Ian Clark on or just content discussing interviews you guys have had with them. Who, who's Daryl? Sorry, Daryl. Uh, sorry, not Daryl. The other who's Woodley, right? Woodley? Yeah. Woodley. I, 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 mistake, I keep thinking of Daryl keeping of because Daryl Worley. No. <laughs> oh, okay. I keep thinking Daryl keeping because okay. keeping is his last name. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl goaltender. John goalie. <laughs> oh man. John Davidson. Remember that goalie? <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh my God! Jack, did you remember that? Oh, amazing! This is uh, this is the video that we got for JD from. Uh, oh yeah, of course, from Joe Ganascoli. Yeah. How could I forget? You can't forget. God, that was so much fun. I need to rewatch that video of our reactions to that. I think I Joe Ganascoli Ulevi is still my, is probably my favorite all time. It's, I know it's my current. I'm just there. plugging my current. I'm trying to stop talking about Twitter so much, but uh, yeah. Favor, how about you? Who's your favorite person to uh, to actually like talk to in person? Like, I loved your stuff with Gaudet when you would ask some Warzone questions. That was the biggest reason I was upset about that transaction because <laughs> we lost all those pressers. I know. Yeah, those, those would have been a lot of fun. I'm sure we would have like done some stuff in the off season. Gaudet was just always like, like I don't know, he's like a, a young kid who was just like happy all the time. So it was like. It was great to deal with them. And, like, I, I think you could even, like, you know, the Canucks do, like, a pretty poor job of, like, showcasing their players' personality. Like, even, like, got it and, like, little pictures of them getting up and off the play. Like, you could tell he was, like, a, a happy guy all the time, yeah. right, it seemed like. Um, yeah. But I think, like, from getting to know people and, like, just interviewing them, like, I like I really like dealing with Jonah Gadjevich, like, because I've dealt with him a lot in the AHL. And just just, like, seems like, like one of the nicest guys who is, like, one of those people that, like, completely changes when they're on the ice like when you deal with them he's like such a soft-spoken guy like he just got like married this past uh summer like you know he's got a real happy life but even like i i talked to him in the off season about when he found out because his wife uh his wife's brother just got traded to the canucks he's like gonna be the ahl backup goalie uh spencer martin so like he was telling me about that story and he was like like yeah we're all like stuck in this little cabin uh up somewhere like in some lake around ontario we're just like stuck in there pissing down rain so we're all like just having some beers and like relaxing and then he gets a phone call from uh the tampa bay lightning general manager he like leaves and comes back in and then just like comes in and is so pumped up he's like i got trained to the fucking canucks and then he's just like he's like so on he's like we were in this tiny little cabin it was pissing rain so hard he's like but we partied so hard that weekend like finding out that we were like in the same like group together and then uh just yeah i mean dealing with him like it's you know he's like he's well spoken and he just sounds like a good good dude like off the ice as well and not like so trained where like i, I like when they act like when a player actually tells you like that they're like confident that they can do something or like that they're going to do something it's like i like that instead of just like get the get pucks in deep i'm just gonna try my hardest out there and see what the coach says like I like when a player like is actually like real with you and then we'll be like well, like i need to make the nhl this year like dealing with 
Gadgetvitz and stuff. Like he's in a spot where as a pretty highly drafted player, you you would think that he would be in the NHL at this point. So like even like hearing him say those words where it's like being honest and telling me like this is a huge year for him where he needs to step up and, and make an NHL, like that's his goal or bust this year. And I was just dealing with him. He's been a good guy that over the past couple of years has been really good to deal with. So I'd go with him or Zach McEwen and like dealing with the whole McEwen family. Like I've kind of stolen Corey Hergott's thing oh, yeah. a little bit and <laughs> gotten in with the McEwens, but like they're great to deal with. They got like the best dog on Instagram as well. I think Lenny's the cutest dog on Instagram uh, for the Canucks anyways. So dealing it's with the McEwens are great. Like, no, I think it is. I think it's bold, but like, <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, just dealing with them, like, my girlfriend's also from the Maritimes, so dealing with, like, other folks from the Maritimes, it's it's a very different type of Canadian than you Yeah, really absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, much better, so are, much like, better. So incredible. They're, they're the idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, they had their golf tournament uh, for Zach, the, the foundation that he started, my biggest band foundation, uh, you know, for his, his late father. And, like, I was mentioning it, and she's like, oh, like, and I told her, I was like, yeah, like, I'm going to go to the Maritimes with my girlfriend next summer and go see her home. She's like, oh, well, come stay. Come for the golf tournament. You can stay with us. And it's just, like, McEwen's mom, like, telling me I could just, like, come stay with them, like, in the summer, right? like, a golf tournament that they're putting on. So, like, I, they've been great people as well. Like, McEwen and, and Gadgets are two people I've talked to the most, but it's kind of, like, if they're good people and they're willing to talk to me, like, I've, I've really enjoyed just kind of, you know, building a relationship, I guess, with them. That's really cool. What's uh, what is the Abbotsford move going to mean for you guys? Are you guys going to be there quite often? Faber is. <laughs> you going to move to Abbotsford? You said yeah, you're moving I, soon, right? Yeah, no, I think I'll be moving into. I'm looking at New West, but right now I'm I'm kind of out in like White Rock, South Surrey area, so it's not too too far. So I'll be sure. at uh, I'll be at a ton of those uh, AHL Canucks games, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, with involvement maybe too and just seeing if we can do anything with the team or anything like that moving forward it might be a little bit of fun as well but just uh, for now I'll be there covering yeah as many games as possible and hanging out with Cody and uh, talking about Roxy Fever and the media box I guess. <laughs> God so, what a terrifying yeah, have, thought <laughs> have, have you guys gotten like do you guys need to get press passes separately for the for the Abbotsford team? Yeah. Uh, yeah I think you do um, yeah as far as I know it's going to be going to be separate um but yeah it, it's going to be a fun season for sure <laughs> nice so what's exciting who's who excites you on that team coming up this year because I, I think people can listen to the show for hearing about who's going to be excited on the canucks and in the last episode you guys did a big training camp uh <clears throat> breakdown but who in abbots because I, I think i'm more excited to see because i'll be able to actually go watch i don't know it'll be easier for me to go see the, see our prospects uh, who are you guys excited by? Uh, For me, it's Mikey DiPietro. Like, he's going to play a full season. Um, again, this is a guy that oh. had a full year last year working with Ian Clark. And, man, like, I talked to Mikey DiPietro maybe, like, a month and a half ago. And I used the word Abbotsford. Like, I was talking to him about Abbotsford. And, you know, he, he yeah. Mikey DiPietro, like, I, I tell this to people. And I have to, I have to preface by saying he's, like, super – confident but he's not cocky he doesn't like cross that line of being totally. like, um like he's just so so confident in his abilities and he was like you know shifting the conversation from abbotsford to like just to be clear like i'm going to vancouver to like make the team and this was like after halak had signed his deal. <laughs> um like he didn't say it like oh, a dick yeah. way or anything it was just like he was like yeah i'm going to vancouver to make the team like that's that's why i'm going camp and like he thinks wow. he's nhl ready and man like a lot of people, you know, you kind of hear that and you're like, oh, okay, like whatever. He wants to go to camp. But then like I talked to like Curtis Sanford and Ian Clark and I was like, he thinks he's NHL ready. Do you think so? They're like, we're not going to doubt him. Like we've seen this guy play. We've seen his work ethic. And for Ian, again, this is a guy that's worked with Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, Roberto Luongo is one of the hardest workers he's ever worked with. Um, and just he, he puts Mikey DiPietro in that tier with Sergei Bobrovsky and Roberto Luongo um, in terms of work ethic and how, how these guys want to be always adapting and implementing new things in their game and always improving. Right. And they're, you know, like Bosch wrote a story, um, in 2019 about, uh, Ian Clark's impact on Jacob Markstrom. And the analogy Ian used was that it's a skyscraper and you're going up a flight of stairs with no stop. Like there's never a finish line when you're an NHL goaltender, you're always going and you're always trying to improve. Cause if you ever stop, 
then you're com- then you're just comfortable and you're there and you're just going to fall down eventually. You need to keep going. You need to keep improving. Um, and again, like, you know, this is common knowledge. Ian thinks that um, obviously goaltender is the most important position on a team, but goaltenders need to be the hardest workers on a team or you're not going to have a successful team. Um, and, you know, you look at the stable of excellence that the Canucks have had in the crease um, going back to the Longo years, even the years when Ian Clark was gone and it was Kluche, um, and like, you know, Kluche, Curtis Sanford, these are two guys um, that were coached by Ian. And, you know, like the reason that they worked so well um, was because a lot of it and, and talking to Curtis, he confirms this to me is just, you know, like remembering what it was like to get coached by other people and then remembering what it was like to get coached by Ian and just trying to be as close to Ian as possible. Obviously they're their own people, they're their own goalie coaches, but you know, like this, you know, like this season after working for a year with, with Ian, I think DPS was going to have a huge year. Like he's so confident. And I really think you're just going to see him like really take over that league. And like, honestly, like, like, I don't mean to, you know, like drag anybody through the mud, but it was kind of bullshit that he had to sit out the whole year last year. Like that was, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, it was a that, bad decision. Like, yeah, that was, I mean, it's justifiable, but it is bad for his development. Yeah. Well, it's just justifiable to an extent, right? Like a big driver. I'm not going to say it was the only reason, but a big driver for that decision was you can pay Mikey DiPietro $70,000 to stay on the taxi squad, or you can sign a third string goaltender who's going to have to make between 200 and 700,000. If you're the Canucks who were very publicly uh, pinching pennies last year, what are you going to do? Right? Like I get, you want to save the money, but now your hockey clubs in decision in a, in a position where they don't really know what they have in this goaltender. Like he says he's NHL ready. How, how can you know that he played four AHL games last year? Look great. Don't get me wrong, but you can't go in. It's kind of a similar thing that they had with Holtby. Um, and you know, this was not their fault because obviously they had Markstrom, but nobody knew if Demko was ready. So you had to get that, that um, what's it called? Parachute or the safety net or whatever you want to call it. They had to get that. And again, they've put themselves in a position where they had to do that this year. And I like Yaro Halak. I think it's a great signing. I think he's a great backup and he's going to, um, you know, the veteran leadership that he brings uh, to guys like DiPietro being a smaller goalie um, is going to be pretty invaluable. But again, like you're in this position where you don't really know what you have in Mikey because he never got a shot last year. This is all to say that I would not be surprised if DiPietro is kicking down the door um, to come to Abbotsford and like, or to Abbotsford to Vancouver and be like a full-time backup by the middle of the season. Like, I honestly think if one of these guys goes down, you're going to be shocked at how good Mikey DiPietro is and just how much he's improved since that game against uh, San Jose, right? Like he was 19. Yeah. um, And just like, He's, he's probably so excited to prove yeah. to prove himself after that. And one. even in those moments oh, yeah. he got against Vegas, he looked so much better. And he's again, like, even if you go back and look at that, the big thing that everybody talks to me about, like when I say everybody, Ian, Curtis, and Mikey, is uh, his chest angle. He looks like fucking like Esposito in the net. That's what I always used to say is like he's bent over so low, you can't see the crest of his jersey, and he's like this, and he's already a shorter goaltender, and it just <laughs> it looked so weird and they really did fix that. And it was a quick fix for him, but it took them, took them a while to actually like get it, you know, to him and make sure he was able to make that change effectively. Um, But yeah, like even in that game against Vegas, there was so much improvement. And I think, yeah, I think people are going to be really surprised by him. Sorry. My answers are like fucking 20 minutes long, but yeah, no, that's, that's good. I know that's awesome. I like Elliot and I both like not talking sometimes, believe it or not. Uh, I know the I know the joke is that Elliot never talks, but it's just because I feel like I always have to fucking Uh, nothing better than having two guests on for real. Um, yeah, no, I, I like legit learn a lot by what by listening to your guys' show. Absolutely, uh, yeah. The experts you guys have on and everything. And uh, congrats on your new signing with Harmon. Thanks. We're pretty excited about that. We we had a lot of fun filming that uh, that video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was like a point at Castle Fun Park where I was like, I'm literally the dad here, like with the two children, because like <laughs> even like we get there and Quaz goes to the bathroom like right off the top. So I'm like keeping an eye on when he's going to come out of the bathroom. I'm like with Harmon. I'm like, hey, Harmon, let's play this game where you you have this hammer and you hit this button really hard and it shoots a bell up and see how hard you can do it. So Harmon like tries it and he gets like 640 out of 1,000. He's like, let's see you swing it. And I swing it and it's like 
994 out of like a thousand. Like I hit this thing really fucking hard. And it was like I was in my head it just like clicked. I'm like, oh god, I'm a dad. Like, I have dad strength. I'm here with two children and like we're at to like film a fucking video for a podcast. What did you like, hit? I was coming out of the bathroom when he hit. Oh, yeah. And so the way it is is there's the bathroom. So there's the there's like a wall that you follow, and then right behind the wall to exit the bathroom is this machine. So I was like right behind it when he hit it. I literally thought the in the in the like I swear I felt the crowd like shake. I was like, holy shit, they ever bring his dad with them or something? Like, holy fuck. This whole like it was crazy. Unbelievable. It, sh- it shook me. Actually, yeah, on that note, Faber, uh, what is your dad's routine? <laughs> My dad's uh, routine for the gym is he goes he goes twice a day. Uh, for three-hour <laughs> sessions there each time. Um, he smokes a shitload of weed. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, even, like, my friends that, like, go to the gym, they'll be like, yeah, like, your dad just walks in. Like, you can, like, smell him when he, like, walks in. Because he, like, blade, like, smokes a joint right before going into the gym. But, like, he just goes in there and just, like, works so fucking hard. And then, like, he doesn't eat, like, well or anything. Like, he, like... He's like notoriously known for like just going through like an eight pack of egos like in a night. Like he'll just like wake up at two in the morning and do like eight egos. So like like my my stepmom has to like keep things away from him and like hide certain foods and like cookies and stuff because like he eats so bad. But because he works out like an off day for him is like just do only doing one of the three hour sessions. So like he literally works out six hours every day. And we'll have like one or two off days where he works up for three hours. But oh my like, god, yeah, it's, it's actually crazy. Like, how much he works up. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the egos and creatine and protein is like his whole diet, pretty much. And then whatever else my stepmom cooks. Hell yeah, that rocks. Oh my god, I'm writing that oh, down. Man. <laughs> so is that what's is that the program quads is on now? Yeah, I actually am. Like, I work out twice a day because Faber told me about his dad, and I was like, when I grow up, I want to be <laughs> Faber's dad. So. Um, man, okay. So, have, have any of you guys taken creatine before? I have. Yeah. No. I, I, I have, yeah. uh, but, I, but I'm so inconsistent with stuff. Uh, that's for brain reasons uh, that I, like, don't notice the, the impact quick enough okay. to be like, oh, I should keep doing creatine. Yeah, yeah so no. my, yeah. my point is, you know, Elliot, you'll know this. When you start creatine, you need to take, like, so, so one scoop is five grams. You need to take 10 to 20 grams for two or for a week uh, when you start creatine. Um, and then you cycle this after you, you know, after you do that for a week, you take one scoop a day for, uh, for like seven or eight weeks or something like that. And then you stop for two weeks and then you start it up again. Oh, what the hell? The cycle. So anyways, I was on my cycle um, of like starting with the 20 grams and like, you know, I'm sure Elliot will know this. And, you know, if any of the listeners out there have taken creatine, you shit fucking big time when you're in this <laughs> overload phase. Like, it's bad. Like, I like literally my morning routine was like waking up and like involuntarily, like I wanted to go back to bed, but I couldn't. I had to go to the bathroom like right away. First thing when I wake up. Um, so I, I'm on creatine because that's what Faber's dad does. But, oh, it is like, it is truly like, it is it is disgusting. Like I don't like taking it, but it's like you know. I feel like my dad's about to like I feel like the John Cena like entrance song is about to come <laughs> and my dad's just gonna like join this Zoom call and be like, Let me tell your brother about what actually you gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. For my birthday, I want a uh, birthday cameo from uh, Faber's dad. <laughs> oh yes, that rocks. Yeah, sorry to Yes, I, I felt bad after making that joke on that one episode about your dad that ended up like, I was like an episode you're not even on. Was, and... I was like, I worked a shift at 6.50. I finished, like, it was like a Canadian, a Vancouver Canadians game that went to, like, 12 innings. I'm, like, driving. I leave 6.50 at, like, just before midnight. And I was listening to that episode, like, at, like, at, like 12.30 <laughs> in the morning, just, like, almost, you know, just dozing off, driving, like, my 45-minute drive from Vancouver back out here to White Rock. And then, like, I'm like, oh, like, I finish off, like, some other podcast. I'm almost home, and then, like, Roxy Fever starts next. And it's just, like, right off the bat, <laughs> you guys spend, like, five minutes on my dad. And then in my head, I was like, I was like, you know what? Like, I should, like, 
get you in contact with him. Like you could just like do a page strong where you like smoke with him. And then, like he would just like, my dad's a very good storyteller. Oh, and, like, absolutely. Like, a great well, storyteller, but he's like very good at like long stories. So like, and you'll talk about anything. Like he would actually do a, a page strong episode. With you does he, just, does he remember me at all? Cause I remember him. He, yeah. He won't like he, he doesn't remember like any, like every yeah. time, I was like, like one of my best friends, like named Chad, like and I grew up. Oh yeah, you always know him. Yeah, like I, I would like for a long time. I had to like, you know, like my friend Chad's coming over, like be like, oh yeah, which one? And I was like the shorter <laughs> one, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah. And then like now my dad works out with Chad. Like, like oh, that's so funny. Like, yeah, that sentence is like so perfect that my dad works out with a Chad because like he literally does. <laughs> <laughs> so like even like he doesn't remember anything from like the, the friends and stuff. But yeah, I'm sure you like. My dad was sort of jacked back then, but now it's like ridiculous. Yeah, no, I remember yeah. seeing the picture and everybody was just like, whoa. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like uh, trying to get to uh, the 60 plus bodybuilders. So, like, he's still a few years away. I guess he was born in 65. So, what has he got? Another, still got a while until he gets to like the 60 plus uh, bodybuilding level. So, he's like working really hard at that. But, like, He's like, oh, I'm going to clean up the diet one of these years. <laughs> like, the fact that he's not even saying, like, cut the egg one of these days, like, he's actually, like, waiting years until he cleans it up. So, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of, uh, a lot going on over there, that's for sure. Well, if he's in his 50s saying that, then I, that means I can, I can hold off. I can hold on my egos for a lot more, I think. <laughs> he didn't like me getting so big and, like, getting so much bigger than him. Like, he's got, like, like, he's short. Like, he's not tall. Like he's he's probably like just a little bit taller than Quad. He's only about five nine, five ten. And then the fact that I grew to be like six, seven inches taller than him, I think like really clicked in. And he's like, fuck. It's like if I'm not gonna catch him in height, I gotta catch him in muscle. And yeah, that's like, right. Weighs like the same amount as me, but he's like seven inches shorter than me, and he's just pure muscle. He's also like taking this crazy like martial art that I don't understand, but I think it's the martial art that's behind uh, like the one inch punch. So it's all about like. <laughs> close contact martial arts and i think he's like he's on like a second level of purple so he's almost the black belt now in this like close combat like thing and then like you combine that with his body as a scary dude like if you run into him in an alley like he's he's oh, always shit. like saying like i hope someone breaks into the house just so i can like fuck him off <laughs> like he like really wants someone to like break into the house <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um Chris, I really like, uh, you know, from listening to our show, like we have our politics in the show and I know that you used to work. Did you used to be a union steward in Nanaimo? Could you tell uh, us I a was... little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah, I was. So I used to be, and this has nothing to do with the People's Party of Canada. This is the public <laughs> and private workers of Canada. So yeah. <laughs> Um, nothing to do with them at all. Uh, so I was with, yeah, I was with the PPWC for a while. I was actually the youngest person to ever be on the PPWC's national executive committee. Um, like I, I, yes. I worked in a mill, <laughs> so like I'm, yeah, I'm very pro union. I, I worked in a mill for five or six years over on the island before I came over here, and like I loved it. And then I wanted to do more stuff. Like I actually like started to like get invested in learning about unions and then like that's amazing became a shop steward at my mill and then ended up um they kind of like they had a, a position called communications officer which was dealing with a lot of uh just kind of like social media was a big part of it and so they kind of like made sense for me to go into that role uh and then they made it like on the executive committee for like the national union and then like i got to go like all across canada on like these like union trips which were like very very fun and then uh, actually learning about unions and like you know, getting companies to like join on and get signatures, go to places and like teach them about unions. It, it was a lot of fun. And like, that's so you know, cool. The, the, the coolest thing about unions, like at the time I was only about 21 and 22. So like, they were very, they were very excited that like someone young was like interested. So they gave me like all the opportunity in the world to like actually grow in the union. And I really appreciated it. And then, you know, seeing things when we were, we experienced so much job loss because of shortage of wood and lumber on the island. Like it just happens. So like seeing what like unions can actually do. Like it makes me like everywhere I go, I just want like unionize. Like I always tell Claude, like he fucks up once, like I'm unionizing Canucks Army. He pisses me off. Like he's telling me he's taking away all my post games this coming season. I was like, if I don't get you know six to ten post games a month, like I'm fucking unionizing Canucks Army. And I, I get the signatures pretty damn easy. I got the connections to PPWC. Like, well, I can have this thing done in 48 hours. <laughs> I'm gonna bring my dad in here if you don't. Su- <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, my dad's gonna beat my dad could beat you up. <laughs> the problem I'm gonna hire the, him is like a union buster to the, like come in and fuck up the union. The reason why the reason why Chris and I got along so well in elementary school is because his dad really could beat up everyone else's dad. <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, anything else we should get to before we sign off here? Um, I just think we need to announce what Chris is wearing right now. Chris, could you tell the fans what uh, what you're wearing on the Zoom call right yeah, now? Yeah, this is <laughs> my support uh, for Scott and, and the great endeavors that they had with the silly pod goals, and I thought I'd have to buy a jersey. Um, but then, like when I, when I went, like I went out there to buy a pod Coles jersey, and I think I even remember like getting to it, and it was like all you can select was like Apple Dad Soup. <laughs> it was like the only option you could oh, have. That's yeah. normally what everyone kind of just gets for this jersey. But then there was like a section where it was like customized. I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna 100% get favor 69 on the back. So <laughs> I got this jersey for like $30 off of a Chinese warehouse website for knockoff jerseys. And the fact that I was able to like customize it and then it shows up and it looks this good, like you can't it really see so it on the camera that much. But if you know what like a Buffalo Buffalo Bills jersey is? Like it's clearly just the Buffalo Bills jersey. It's like a long sleeve version, but like on camera and everything, like it looks really legit, like a Scott jersey. So uh, I thought I'd throw this one on for you guys. Uh, a little Russian support. I love it. It's oh, gorgeous. Yeah, awesome. And uh, the website that uh, that you can get stuff like that is dhgate.com apparently. And, and apparently it takes like six months to get the stuff, but they have some really nice stuff on there. And personally, I'm not going to spend uh, $250 minimum for a hockey jersey ever again in my life, I think. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, it's just way too much. It's, it's way too much. And uh, I'm going to have to see whose birthday is in six months because I uh, I want you can get some like old Orca jerseys in there. I want to try to find if I can get a Moto jersey from there. Yeah. Yeah. The Louis Erickson jersey I've had is like still the best one. Like, the Lunar New Year has like the gold font. You're the rat. And it's a Louis <laughs> Erickson jersey. Like, I, I have never, I've never gotten a jersey framed, but I think this is going to be the one because it's, it's just perfection. Like, I think if I were to be able to get this in, like, a Kachina Coyotes Erickson jersey, like, it would be hard to beat, like, that two-jersey set, like, hung up together. It's just it's pure perfection. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's so cool. All right. Well, uh, I think that's I think that's enough for today. Uh, where can the good people find you two? Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation. The official podcast of Canucks Army, which is fun because we get to, like, double grip everything, <laughs> which is great. Um, <laughs> could you imagine if this has ended up as the official <laughs> podcast? <laughs> God damn, man. We're, we're, we're this close. Well, pe- people won't know this, but Jackson, do you remember I asked you to be a co host of Canucks Conversation a long time ago? Like, yeah, it was one of the times where you came on as an interview, probably in like episode, it would have been in the first 20 because I actually like knew you. Yeah, I totally. You were, you were yeah. at the time, and I was like, hey, do you want to like. Like, we had a good episode or something, and I mentioned it, like, I'm looking for a co-host, and you're like, no, I have this project in the works, and then, like, a year went on, and I was like, this motherfucker, like, just didn't want to do it at all, like, nothing happened, and then, like, Roxy Fever finally popped up, I'm like, oh, he actually, like, had something going on, he didn't just make shit up. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. I was just but, dealing yeah, well. Yeah. I think at the time too, like Your house burned down. I, I think my house burned down at the time <laughs> that, yeah. So I was both so A, cool. working on a, pro- on a project, yes, and B, um, just dealing with the fact that every time I try to get my shit together, something insane happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, send your hate mail to. We dare you to send your hate mail to favors dad. Oh man.